set forth his word to you. Just open your mouth and begin to make that prayer briefly. Say, Father, my heart is open this morning to hear from you. Tell him that your heart is open. Tell him that you don't want to see any flesh, any human being speaking. But you want to hear directly from him this morning. Father, speak to us, O Holy Spirit. We are not here because of any man, but we are here because of you. And the Bible says that you have not called the seed of Jacob to seek you in vain. Father, you have not gathered us here this morning in your presence for us to just come to church and go the same way we came. You have already started it, Holy Spirit.
the titi in his shike in the gushion again. Father, you do not change or you change the situations of men. Father, within the few minutes we have to spend in your, in, with your word this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit open up our heart. Speak to us, O God, with precision. Speak to us, O God, with simplicity. Let your word bring comfort to our, to our souls. Let your word bring healing to our bodies. Let your word bring transformation to our spirit. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, awesome Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Hallelujah. I want to thank God for his word. I also want to thank him for this opportunity. It's um, a rare privilege to stand here this morning to be used of God. To speak to us concerning something that is very, very important and significant in the body of Christ today. So I thank God. I also want to thank um, our daddy in the Lord, the Venerable Professor Samike and the clergyman for this wonderful opportunity. And um, I also want to thank God for my family, for my wife, Dr. Chugo Ezejofor, the wife that I sold the only thing, my only possession, I sold it just to marry her. Amen. It's a very long story. In my Nigeria, I don't know You know, I sold the only thing I had at that time. I labored for. Very precious to be. As it were. Manandi Bosnonye Furu Ubi. Omegene Oreoba. Hallelujah. So I want to thank her for the prayers and my four, three beautiful daughters. Tehila, Eliora, and Adira for their prayers too. They prayed for me this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to be sharing briefly because today is Holy Communion so we don't have much of time and I'm trusting God that he will help me so that we can you know, work with time. I have between 30 to 35 minutes to deliver this message or to do this assignment. Our topic this morning is shining in the midst of trial. Shining in the midst of trial. Avelia said that this is very, very important issue in the body of Christ. Because we are looking at two significant, two key words from this topic. One is shining. And the other one is what? Trial. Shining and trial. So at the end of this message, you will begin to understand that the will and the purpose of God, the mind of heaven towards you and I, is that we will shine. And not just that we will shine, we will not have any excuse but to do what? But to shine. Meaning that trial cannot be an excuse for us. That even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the challenges of life, even in the midst of what we call the storms of life. Even in the midst of the difficulties of life. Even in the midst of the darkness that is taking over the world. That the expectation of heaven is that we must shine. Now I'm going to divide this topic into four different subsections. I'm going to run from there. 
One is I'm going to be talking about the inevitability of shining as light. Then secondly, I will talk about the inevitability of trials for us as believers. Then I'm going to talk about the reasons why we go through, through trials. Then we'll talk about our response, our reaction towards trial. And finally, we'll talk about the place of personal conviction. The place of personal conviction in the face of trial. Amen. Hallelujah. So first and foremost, we're going to talk about the, this issue of shining. We've been talking about it. Our topics, our theme for the year say, you are the light of the world. And we've been talking about it since January till now. I want to announce to us this morning that we will keep talking about it. Shining is a must for you as a light. It is an error for you to carry light and you are not shining. It is a big error. It is a fundamental error. Because the essence of light in itself is what? To shine. The essence of light is to shine. So if you claim that you are carrying light, if you claim that you are the light of the world and you are not shining, that means you are actually useless. It becomes useless for you to carry light but you are not shining. If you are really the light of God, you have no option but to do what? But to shine. So shining as a believer is a must. There is no negotiation about that. There is no discussion about that. There is no conversation about that. As long as you are the light, except you are not the light, except you are not carrying the light, but if you are sure that you are carrying the light inside of you, you have no excuse. You have no option. It is mandatory. It is compulsory for you to shine anywhere you find yourself. The Bible is speaking in the book of Matthew 5. It says, let your light do what? So shine. Let your light so shine. Before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let that light in you shine. It is you that will make it to do what? To shine. It is your responsibility to let it. When you say let, it means that you have, you have a role to play before it will shine. So this morning you need to understand first and foremost that you are the light of God. And the expectation of heaven towards you and I is that we must shine. What does it really mean to shine? What does it mean to shine? To shine actually means to reproduce to replicate, to demonstrate, to display, to showcase the life of Jesus that is in you, in your immediate environment. No matter the resistance, no matter the opposition, no matter the challenges, no matter the obstacles, no matter the things you're seeing, no matter how dark the world is, to shine means to reproduce the life of God in you. To replicate that life of God in you. To showcase the glory of God in your office. To display the goodness, the faithfulness, the personality, the character of Jesus wherever you find yourself. That is what it means to shine. If you're here and you don't understand the meaning of shining, this is what the shining is all about. That is what shining is all about. Displaying it. Showing it, showcasing it, demonstrating it 
anywhere you find yourself. Last week Sunday we, we, we did our, our Bible study and we talked about holiness and we talked about integrity. And we are meant to understand that holiness is the nature of who? The nature of God. And integrity is what is the manifestation of that nature of God. So if you are a carrier of light, what it means is that you are carrying the nature of God in you. The Bible speaking in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. It says it is written, for your God is holy. For you shall be holy because of what? Your God is holy. So if you are carrying light inside of you, if you are carrying the nature of God inside of you, holiness is a must. Holiness is a must. And displaying the holiness, manifesting the holiness in your words, in your conversations, in your dealings with people, that is what integrity is. So shining actually means carrying the nature of God and displaying that same nature anywhere you find yourself. Thank God for the word that just came to us this morning. So many of us, we are light is just in our mouth. So many of us, we are light is just in our confession. But when it comes to demonstrating that light, when it comes to living that life, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the lifestyle of that thing that you claim to be, you are nowhere to be found. The reason why there is so much darkness in Nigeria is because we are not shining. The reason why there is so much darkness all over the world is because believers are not shining. We have just very few who are shining. And their lights and their illumination cannot illuminate the whole country. That's why there is still darkness everywhere. If 60% of believers, if 60% of Christians who decide to start shining for God, there will be light. Reasonably, there will be light in this nation. Reasonably, there will be light everywhere. Reasonably, there will be light in Enugu. If all of us who are seated here this morning, hearing the sound of my voice, decide to begin to shine for Jesus, anywhere you find yourself, Enugu will feel the impact. Enugu will feel the impact. Just 12 men, 12 disciples that Jesus called, they shook the world, turned the world upside down because they were men that understood what they were carrying. And they were men that did not just understand, but they were living the life that they carry on their inside. Why are we sleeping, oh church? Just imagine coming into this church auditorium by 9 p.m. in the night or by 10 p.m. Just an imagination. And the whole lights are turned off. Everywhere will be dark, right? Am I correct? Everywhere will be dark. And when you put on the small light, maybe some of these small bulbs, you put one, or you put two in one corner, and you're coming in, you will just be seeing just pockets of light. Am I correct? There will still be darkness in some other areas and some other corners of the church. There will still be darkness because the light that is on is just one. And it's just one small, tiny light. That is why Nigeria is in darkness. We have pockets of lights. Just small lights. Small lights shining in different places. 
And Nigeria is not feeling the impact of that light. There is no illumination in the country. There is darkness everywhere. Because just a few are actually shining. Brethren, it is compulsory. It is a must that we must shine. We don't have any option but to shine. And let me also announce to you, the higher the number of Christians who are really shining for God, the lesser the darkness in our society. The higher the number of believers who decide to shine, the lesser we see darkness in our society. Not also that nobody will do your shining for you. Amen? No one will do your shining for you. You must do your shining yourself. You cannot drive a car effectively at night with your light off and you're depending on the light of another man. You are dependent on the light of another man that is driving. While your own light is off, you are headed for a rock. You may end up having an accident because you must have your own light shining and you must use your own light to shine. It's not a thing of my wife. My wife is spiritual. My wife is loaded. For, that, for the reason that my wife can pray and you refuse to pray as a man. It's not a matter of you as a child. You say my mom and my daddy, they are pastors. They are reverends. They are venerables. They are bishops. And I'm going to depend on their own light. It is not possible. You cannot drive effectively with the light of another man. You cannot. You must shine the light of God anywhere. Everywhere and under any condition. Before we go into the other aspect of what we have today, let us look at the book of Matthew chapter 5. It summarizes this first point. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 15 to 16. Because of want of time, I'm going to be reading. And I will read with, from message translation. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 15 to 16. Say so here is another way to put it. You know, I love message so much. Because it has a way of simplifying these things. Say, so here is another way to put it. You are here to be light. Bringing out the God colors into the world. Hallelujah. Bringing out what? The God colors into the world. God is not a secret to be kept. It's not a secret to be kept. We are doing public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under your buckets. Do you? The answer is no. I am putting you on a light stand. Now I have put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand. Then do what? Shine. Is God a secret to be kept in your life? Are your colleagues in the office do they really know that you are a child of God? In your marketplace, are they aware that you are a child of God? In your school as a student, are your friends and colleagues around you and your fellow students, are they aware? Can they testify of the facts that this one, this Emmanuel, is a child of God? This informer, no, just don't go there. She's a believer. Not just in words, but both in words and in deed. You must make this thing public. Because you are like a city that is on a hill. You cannot be a light bearer and you are hiding somewhere. You cannot hide it. You cannot hide it. Light can never be hidden. 
Light can never be hidden. Amen. So it is our responsibility for us to shine. Then let's talk about trials. After we talk about trials, we now begin to marry the boats. Shining and trials. I want us to understand that, that in this life, challenges of life will come. Challenges of life will come. Trial here means challenges of life. Storms of life. Tribulations. Sufferings. All of this that comes to us in order to test our faith in God and our personal conviction about God. So those trials are the challenges of lives. They are the issues of lives. The storms of life. They come to us. They come to us. And the reason why they come to us is to do what? To test our faith. To test our experiences. To test our convictions with God. Trials are usually not sweet. They are usually not wonderful experiences. They are not sweet experiences. But what we need to know today is that trials are integral parts of our Christian experience. Integral parts of our Christian work. You cannot take away Christianity from suffering, from trials, from persecution, from tribulation. You cannot. If our Christianity in itself is bettered in trials, it is inevitable. You cannot run away from it. You cannot run away from it. There are three categories of people listening to me this morning. One is those who are about to get into it. Because you must get into it. You must get into it. The secondly are those who are already presently going through trials. And third category are those who probably they have graduated, but they are still waiting again because they will still get into another one. You cannot avoid it. So that you have graduated from one does not mean that you have graduated forever. As you are graduating, you are going back to join those who are doing what? Who are waiting. And as some are waiting, there are those who are doing what? Who are experiencing it. And as some are experiencing it, there are some who are at the verge of graduating. And as they graduate, the circle will do what? We continue. You cannot hide it. You cannot hide from it. It's usually not wonderful experience. It's just like if you're familiar with football and recruitment of footballers. There's something they called what? Trial. You hear that somebody went to a particular club and as he went to that club, they want to get him through a process of trial to confirm whether he's fit enough to play for that particular club. It's not a wonderful experience for those players. They go through rigorous exercise, trainings, drillings, you know, check-ins, discipline. In fact, they are not even in charge or in control of their lives. They could be called by 1, 1, 1 p.m., come out for training, and they have no option than to come out. 
In fact, what they eat will also be monitored. There are some things they will tell them, see, for you to play like Ronaldo, you don't need to eat apple and soup. And it's possible that apple and soup is the favorite meal of that Nigerian player there. So the person will subdue. The person will go through that pain. That is trial. And at the end of the day, the person is not even sure that he's going to be taken. That he's going to stay in that club. So trial comes with pains. It comes with uncertainties. It comes with, with challenges. It comes with drilling. It comes with tears. It comes with weeping. And at the end of the day, the player succeeded. He will stay. But if paraventure, the player did not succeed, what will happen to the player? What will happen to the player? He will go back home. Hallelujah. So trial is not a respect of any person. Trial, persecution, suffering as a child of God is not a respecter of person. It's not a respecter of profession. It's not a respecter of age. It's not a respecter of status. It's not a respecter of class. It's not a respecter of how rich and how wealthy that you are. That you're a professor does not mean that you will not go through trials. That you're a lawyer does not mean that you will not go through trials. That you are the president of Nigeria does not mean that you will not go through trials. That you are the governor of Enugu State does not mean that you will not go through trials. It does not even respect how religious you are. That you are a man of prayers and fasting. Every morning you are praying. In the afternoon you are fasting. In the night you are praying. Does not preclude you from going through trials. It's not a respecter of any human being. It's not a respecter of any religious affiliation. It's not a respecter of color. It's not a respecter of race. That you are in America does not mean that you will not go through trials. A lot of us are putting from Nigeria going to UK and US. I don't have any issue with it. But recently I was talking to one of my friends and she said to me, I want to come back to Nigeria. This place is too bored. I'm feeling, and I don't know how I'm feeling. It's just me and my children. I want to come back. The workload is too much. I'm making the money, but I don't, I'm not even enjoying it. So it's not a respecter of where you are. It's not a respecter of location. It's not a respecter of location. So wherever you are, you will definitely go through it. Whatever status or class you think you are, you will go through it. Whatever academic qualifications you have, you will go through it. It does not need your permission before visiting you. Trial does not need to come to you and knock at your door and say, Barista Genta, I want to come to you today. Will you permit me? It will not do that. It will just come to you. Bam! You are on it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, those of us that have passed through it, I know what I'm talking about. It does not need your permission. It does not need your consent. It's not this one who comes to court to say, my Lord, I want to seek your consent to make this application. Hallelujah. There is no consent seeking in trial. It will just come. It does not need your permission. 
It does not need your permission. It does not need your permission. And God makes it that way. Because God allows it. Because no teacher will recommend you for promotion. Except you go through tests. Am I correct? Do we have lecturers in this place? Can you promote your students when they have not gone through tests? When they have not gone through examination? You will not. You must go through that test. You must go through that examination. You must burn that midnight candle. You pass through it. For some of us that like sleep so much, during exams, do you sleep? I remember when I was in law school. My senior, my mentor, Jinta, will understand. In law school, you don't sleep. Oh. If you sleep, you will fail. <laughs> and when you fail, you know you have spent a lot of money. For some people, they, parent, their parents borrowed money for them to go to law school. Some, they sold land for them to send their children to law school. You know, so for you to become a lawyer, you must pass through that pains of going to class in the morning and coming back in the evening. And as you're coming back in the evening, there is another class for you again in that same evening. And as you're returning from that class, you need to do an assignment that you will submit the next day. Or presentation that you will do the next day. And you keep doing it. And you keep doing it until you write the exam. And the exam is marathon exam. You write on Monday. You write on Tuesday. You write on Wednesday. You write on Thursday. You write on Friday. Amen. One course, you have up to like five or six big, big books to read. Or seven books to read. And laws to cram. That is the pain. Why? Because you are chasing something. You want to become a doctor. You want to become a lawyer. So you must pass through it. You cannot avoid it. The inevitability of trials. And that worry and also. Hallelujah. Let us look at some scriptures before we go further. Psalm chapter 30 verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 and 4. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 2. And John chapter 16 verse 33. I'm going to read because of time. Psalm 30 verse 5. Just to buttress this point of trial. He said, for his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 and 4. Say there is a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. Verse 4. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Isaiah 43 verse 2. He said, when you pass through the waters, ah, I will be with you. Say amen. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Say amen. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Say amen. The flames will not set you ablaze. Hallelujah. When you pass through the water, it's not if you pass through the waters. It's not conditional. It is when. It is when. That means you will definitely pass through it. You will definitely go through it. Hallelujah. John chapter 16 verse 33. Message translation. Say, I have told you already this morning. I'm going to read it again in message. I have told you all this. So that in trusting me, you will be unshakable. And assured Deeply at peace in this godless world, you will continue to experience 
difficulties. But take heart. I have conquered the world. Say I have conquered the world. Say I have conquered the world. He said I have told you. The reason why you are going through this. So that in trusting me. You will be unshakable. You will be unmovable. You will be assured. And deeply at peace. That in this godless world. In this wicked world. In this world full of darkness. That you will continue to experience difficulties. Difficulties. You will continue to experience it. He said, but take heart. He then said, be of good change. For you have done what you have overcome. I've overcome the world. This is not the type of message our, our generation wants to hear. Am I correct? Eh? It's not. It's not the kind of message. But I thank God for this church. Where they will give us, you know, everything so that we'll become strong and balanced believers. And balanced Christians. My generation is a generation that wants to say during marriage vow, for better, for better. Or for best. That's my generation. For better, for better. It's no longer for better, for worse. Living in denial of the reality of the word of God. My generation is a generation that will sing, me, I know go do what? I know go suffer. I know go beg for bread. My generation is a generation that will quote, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And they will omit the fellowship of his suffering. I used to do it. I would just avoid it. Hallelujah. That is our generation. Our generation is a generation of, I declare and I do what? I decree. Let it be happening. Go on, amen. A generation of die by fire. Die by fire. Die by fire. That is the generation we find ourselves. A generation that is seeking for what their itchy ears wants to hear. A generation that fuels their lustful desires. Their lustful desires by embracing extreme and adulterated grace messages. Keep sinning for God has taken care of your sin. Keep sinning. That is the generation we are into. These are the things our generation wants to hear. They don't want to hear that you must suffer for Christ. They don't want to hear that you must go through trials and persecution. They don't want to hear that you have scars on your body. They don't want to hear that you, that you go through mockeries and jestings because of your faith and your belief. They don't want to hear that. You know, I just remembered Something that happened some years ago. You know, I don't know if our daddy, the Lord, will remember. But he was the one that preached that message. I was still in school then. I didn't know I'm going to meet him here. You know, but we went to a program in Onita. Ninefest Leadership Training Conference, LTC. And in that program, our daddy, the Lord, here was the one giving the exposition. And he said something. And we took that into school. And some of us were laughing over it. He said suffering is a must. That's, there is something called suffering 101. That you cannot avoid it. If you are in the university. Have you heard about GSS 101? Can you avoid it? Can you avoid it? You must go through it. That you are studying medicine will not stop you from, from going through it. That you are studying law will not stop you from going it. That you are studying psychology will not stop you. That you are studying sociology or engineering or anything that has nothing to do with English. It will not stop you. You must go through Jesus 101. And he told us that it is called suffering 101. Daddy, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> but we took it to school. And some people were making a joke about it. Suffering 101. 
Suffering 101. You must go through it. Hallelujah. If you are not going through it, you must go through it in Jesus' name. It is for your good that you go through it. <laughs> amen. Whether you say amen or not, you will go through it. Hallelujah. So I thank God. You know, give it, when I gave my life to Christ as a young boy at the age of 14, one of the books I read, it was a book written by a renowned Pentecostal bishop. I won't mention his name. But immediately I opened that book. The first thing I saw in that book was, I just gave my life to Christ. I saw, you are born again, not to suffer again. Hey, I said, Rema. <laughs> because I was suffering then. My family were suffering. And I just gave my life to Christ. And I read it. You are born again. No, I can't forget it. Because it registered in me. I was 14. Now I'm in, I'm in my mid-30s. You know, so just, I can't forget it. You are born again, not to suffer again. So he entered me. You know, but thank God for, thank God for scripture union. <laughs> thank God for EFAC. Because I had to go through, I was an Anglican. You know, and I, I, my mom took me to EFAC. My elder brother took me to Scripture Union. So I was going to EFAC and I was going to Scripture Union. And when I went to Scripture Union, I had to go, I had to go through follow-up. <laughs> Amen. And in EFAC, I had to go through follow-up. And I saw that there is something called Christian suffering <laughs> and trials and persecution. I was wondering. And I asked them, I read a book that said when you are born again, that you will not suffer again. They had to now teach me. Hallelujah. They learn to teach me. Praise God. So we need to know. We need to know. You don't run away from it. It was exciting knowing that I'm, I, was, I was born again, not to suffer again. It was exciting to me. It was wonderful to me. But God has to teach me. Say, no. Don't go with that one. If you go with that one, you may have issues when you begin to suffer. And that's why we have a lot of Christians today. Who we are ginger believers. Who we are strong Christians. All of a sudden, they are nowhere to be found. They got the wrong message and they ran with it. And as they were running with it, they began to see the realities. And they could not reconcile the things that they've read, the things that they heard, with the things that we are experiencing. Frustration set in. Frustration set in. And they said, no, this is not the God I want to serve. And they begin to read some, in, some other things. And before you know it, they are drawing into atheism. Atheism. Believing that there is no God. I have a lot of them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Note that God's purpose transcends comfort. God's purpose for your life and my life transcends comfort, transcends ease, transcends prosperity, transcends good life. These things are good. But the purpose of God for your life and for my life is beyond all of this. You cannot be a heavy world champion in the boxing and you are sleeping and enjoying the AC and eating chicken pepper soup and eating suya and eating everything in the comfort of your home. If you go there and Tony Joshua will just give you one blow, you will get seven apples. Hallelujah. Reasons we go through trials. One, because it is the will of God and the purpose of God for us to go through it. Romans chapter 8 verse 18. Two, it is for our growth and spiritual maturity. James chapter 1, 2 to 4. Three, it increases our trust and dependency on God. Psalm 73, 22 to 26. 
and First Peter chapter 3, 15, 14 to 15. Number four, it prunes and refines us. First Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7. Number five, it is for our perfection and completion. First Peter 5 verse 10. Number six, it is for our promotion. Daniel 3 verse 30. We'll still read the book of Daniel. That is our text. It is for our promotion. Seven, God uses it to get our attention. Amen. Sometimes God wants to get your attention. He wants you to come close to him as a father. And he allows trials to get you closer to him. The prodigal son that left his father went to a far country in the book of Luke chapter 15. And he began to live nonsense life. Lavished everything. And he got into his own trial. And one day, he remembered, I have to go back to God. So trials are not designed to break us. Trials are not designed to destroy us. Rather, trials are designed to build us up, to make us strong in God. Now, our response to trial. What's supposed to be our response to trial? Let's read James chapter 1, 2 to 4. And Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 to 18. James 1, 2 to 4. I'm going to read. Consider it share. This is message translation. Consider it share gifts. Count it all joy, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows it through colors. That is shining. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't try to get out of trials prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well developed, not deficient in any ways. Hallelujah. Our response to trials is supposed to do what? To rejoice. Count it all joy. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 and 18. Say, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet, somebody say yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. Though the fig tree does not bud, though you are not seeing it, though you are sick, or you will rejoice. Hallelujah. There are so many things you can do in the midst of trials. There are so many things. There are so many ways to respond to trials. You can actually pray. You can actually give thanks. You can actually sow seed. You can actually meet your mentors and get some comfort, some word of comfort from them. But I want us to know that God expects that in the midst of trials, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of challenges, that you do what? That you rejoice. It's not easy. Is it easy? So rejoice when things are not working. It's not easy. But that is the expectation of heaven. That you rejoice. That you shine and rejoice. When you have no food to eat, do what? Let me hear you. When you have no food to eat, do what? When you cannot pay your rent or pay your school fees, do what? When you are sick in your body, do what? When you don't have money in your bank account, do what? When men mock at you for not having a child, do what? When you failed an exam, do what? When you are looking for a job, do what? When time is ticking so fast that you have not gotten married, do what? When you lost a loved one, do what? Hallelujah. 
or the easy. Well, that is the expectation of God. This is the most difficult thing to do. But still, Baba said, we should rejoice. Because in rejoicing lies our victory. In rejoicing lies our deliverance. In rejoicing lies our liberation. It is not sometimes we Christians, we don't need to do the normal thing. The normal thing is when you are passing through this thing, you begin to cry. You begin to run from elder scatter, looking for who to help you, looking for who to call. That is the natural thing. But the life that we live is a supernatural life. It's a life that ordinary man cannot understand. In the midst of trials, begin to do what? Rejoice! Rejoice! I've had a fair share of it. Was it when I lost my dad? As a final year law student, he died on my arms. I served him communion. Two days, he told me, my son, I want to go. I said, daddy, it's not your time to go. I started talking to him. I started preaching to him. I said, see, your first son is in, is in UK doing masters. And you promised God that when he comes back, that you will buy a cow and go and do Thanksgiving because of him. He's coming back. He is not yet back. So why do you want to go? When you were very, very sick, you were supposed to go. You didn't go. I was a Keta Aruna. This is I spoke and I spoke. And after which I brought communion. I blessed and I served him. That was on a Saturday. And I left. On Monday morning, no, on Sunday evening, he told me I want to talk with my brother, with so many persons. He started calling people on phone on Sunday. He called this, called my other brother. He was fine. Any hours on Monday, we are out to do devotion, devotion in my, in my, in my sitting room. And as we are praying, I noticed that the man was struggling to leave. We are praying. Nobody noticed it. I went to him. I said, Daddy, what is the problem? Can you, can you? He could not talk. I said, keep saying Jesus. Keep saying Jesus. He was saying that Jesus until I knew when he gave up. And we were mad. He died right on my arms. I didn't know what to do. I was just 22 or 21 years old then. Just entering my final year as a law student. It was just like the whole world has come to an end. I look like my father. I feel like this. My daddy. We so much look alike. We have a lot in common. It was a big blow for me. I carried him. I refused to agree that he has died. I called my neighbor. I said, get a car. We put him in the car. I kept on praying. Calling for praying and praying and praying. We go to the hospital where he normally goes to. And we saw the doctor. If I that day. I started hating doctors. It took God to forgive me. It took God to help me to forgive doctors. I, be, I hated doctors. Because we brought this man in. And I said, doctor, he has not died. Check him, check him. And the man looked at my father. I said, why is this place in mortuary? Why are you bringing a dead man to my hospital? Yes. I started crying. Doctors. Oh, it's Hallelujah. So, that was it. And I had no option. God helped me. That night, I had the revelation. And God told me, showed me clearly what happened. And I saw my dad in that revelation. He came to the house. That same night, he died. He said, son, I want to pick my things. I'm going somewhere. 
that is better than this place. And I assisted him and we packed his things and put it in the bag. And he was about to leave. He said, I should not follow him. I said, no, daddy, I'm going to follow you. He said, okay, no problem. And we opened the door. As we are leaving, all of a sudden, we got to a point. He said, no, you cannot follow me any longer. Just go back. Go back. Go back. I said, daddy, why? He said, go back. And immediately I began to go back. I woke up. I said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Financial challenges. I've gone through it. My first year, second year, third year of marriage was not easy. <laughs> Financially, it was not easy. I remember my, my wife, the first pregnancy, December, they rule like this. I didn't know what to do. I was paid 30,000 naira as a salary. As a married man. Just in 2016. Hallelujah. And I took my wife. I said, my wife, I need to buy clothes for you. You are pregnant. You are still wearing all these clothes. I need to buy the gown. Can go take. But I don't have money. But we will go to New, new Heaven Market. And I took her to New Heaven Market. I had 20,000 naira. I went to an Okrika shop. And we began to select. Pick down. Bend down and do what? And select. We started selecting. We selected few. And when the 20,000 got exhausted, I said, glory be to God. I've had my own share of it. I've had my own share. And I'm open for more. Was it when I was looking for a job? Gainful employment. Four good years. No good job. The Lord did it for me. Was it when my daughter was sick? Multiple surgery. Born cannot see. Cannot see with her two eyes. I'll do like this to her. Like, like she's not seeing. I'll say, baby, 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 baby. She would want to see. She cannot see. I'll get lights. Touch lights. I'll flash it. She's trying to see it. But she cannot see it. I went to the hospital. They say she has a hole in the heart. And that she has cataracts in the two eyes. What do we do? We trusted God. We believed God. Early that year, before this thing happened, Obianoko was with me somewhere. And she said, this year, the Lord will do some things that will make us to learn to trust him the more. And that word stick to me. I said, Father, this one is that one that will make me to trust you. And the Lord brought it. And through it, my trust level, my faith level in God increased. I remember my daughter, Tehillah, as I'm taking them to school when they were out, we'll be praying morning, afternoon, and night. We kept on talking to God. That is the experience. I don't know the mockery you're going through. I don't know the things you're going through. Early this year, I had food poisoning that I wanted to take away my life. But God rescued me. Whatever the challenges are, it is normal. It is not strange. It is not strange. It is normal. It is a process. And don't feel so fast, so quick to get out of it. Allow God to do his workings. Allow God to do his workings through it. And you come out stronger. In the name of Jesus. Finally, we're going to talk about conviction. The place of conviction in the face of trend, in the face of trial. In between the trial and the shining is the place of conviction. How deep is your conviction about the things that you know? About your faith in God? Conviction means firmly held belief, experience and opinion. It is only men and women with deep conviction of God's word that can withstand the seasons of trials and challenges. Deep conviction does not fluctuate based on emotions, circumstances, situations, opinions, trends, and who is around. It is an inspiration that cannot be taken away. That is conviction. And this will take us to look at our text, the book of Daniel chapter 3. 
from verse 1 to 30. Our text is actually book of Daniel chapter 3, 28 and 29. But you need to know the story from verse 1 to the last verse. Conviction. Daniel was the man of conviction. He was a man that, I mean, that yes, even the, the, the three Hebrew boys that we read there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were men of conviction. They believed God against all odds. Against all odds. They stood their ground. Whenever we go through trials, understand that what is being tested is our faith. And our ability to go through it successfully is a function of how deep and how strong our conviction and our faith is. The reason a lot of Christians are going into atheism, idolatry, cultism, and all manner of diabolic barbarism is because there is no conviction. There is no conviction. If you are convinced, you say, I'm not going back. I've got my mind made up that I won't turn back. That is conviction. You've got your mind made up that no matter what, that you will not turn back. In our text, in Daniel chapter 3 from verse 1 to 30, we saw how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood their ground not to worship the golden image without considering the following. Number one, that the command to worship that golden image came from the most powerful king at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar. They did not consider it. Number two, that the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and other provincial officials were there at the dedication ceremony of that golden image. They didn't care that the men of timbers and calibers were there. It did not consign them. Number three, they didn't care that the consequences of not worshipping the golden image was a gruesome death by being thrown into the furnace of fire. They didn't care about the consequences. They did not care about the anger and the raging of the king Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't care. There was no care about diplomacy or carefulness. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said, Oh, king Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. There was no carefulness. There was no painting of words. There was no diplomacy. There was no, let's, let me, let's put it in a way that the king would like it. Nothing like that. They say we are not careful to answer you in this matter. You see this, your golden image. You see this thing that you have created and you're calling on us to worship it we will not worship it because we have a God in heaven that will worship they didn't care whether God will save them or not they say if he saves us fine but paraventure he fails to, fail to save us we will still not worship this God in the midst. that is conviction that is conviction how deep is your conviction about God the king having called them the sons of the most high after they had failed to worship, they threw them into the furnace of fire. In fact, the, the men, the mighty men that threw them, they all got burnt. But something happened. As they were in that fire, the fire that was supposed to consume them, decided not to consume them. Because there was a fourth man in the fire. There's always a fourth man. When you're passing through trials, the Holy Spirit is our fourth man. Embrace him. Whenever you're going through hard times, embrace the Holy Spirit. He has a way of speaking comfort. He has a way of speaking calmness. He has a way of speaking peace. In the midst of that storm, he knows how to calm it. He knows how to make it look so tiny. People will be seeing how big it is. But for you, you are seeing how small it is. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the fourth man. Sometimes, people tell me the issues that I am facing that I'm not even aware of. 
They tell me, hey, CJ, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Hey, you have only three girls. I'm praying for you. You have a boy. I'm, I'm seriously praying for you. This thing you did. Somebody told me in the office. I did something in the office. And the, the woman came and said, this thing you did. You may not understand. I'm praying for you. That thing, that boy, God will give it to <laughs> Hallelujah. Something you are not even aware of. The Holy Spirit makes you not to be aware of the issues you're having. Even if they are, all, they are called issues. Then the book of Nathan spake and said, Blessed be the God, verse 29, verse 28 and 29. Say, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, every nation, Every language which speak anything amiss against the God of who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God there is no other God that can deliver like this there is no other God that can save after this sort. That was what the king Nebuchadnezzar said. My question this morning, men and brethren can you die for your faith? This shouting, coming to church every Sunday, doing your quiet time in the morning, telling everybody that you're a Christian, can you die because of Christianity? This is the question I asked myself. In the course of studying, I said, can I die because of my conviction? Remember Stephen in the Bible? He was stoned to death because of his belief. Remember what's happening in the northern Nigeria? Remember Deborah Yakubu? Who was stoned and burnt alive. Remember the Shaibu who refused to renounce Jesus. And for years now we don't know her whereabouts. Remember the, 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 the woman, the redeemed pastor, preacher that went out for morning cryer in the morning. And as she was preaching, she was brutally murdered, gruesomely killed because of his faith. Can you die for Jesus? Can you die for that which you have believed in? Just imagine, just imagine that we are in this church this morning and a group of armed robbers, bandits, Fulani headsmen, move into this place as everybody, lie down, lie down, lie down. Lie down, lie down. If you want to renounce Jesus, come and renounce him. I will not kill you. But if you will not, if you will not renounce him, if you will not renounce your faith, we are going to kill you. And as we are talking, they have shot two persons already. And their blood are flowing in this place. My brother, my sister, what will you do? Will you renounce Jesus? Will you renounce him? Because of life. This morning, I asked my daughter, Tehila. I said, if God decides to take away everything that we have, will you still serve him? She said, yes, I will serve him. And I told myself, just like the prophecy said, it is high time we begin to teach our children these things. Let them become extremists for Jesus. Let them become extremists for Jesus. That's what the Islam world they do. That's why they can kill and die for their cause. But we believers, we are full of fear. We are full of fear. What is it that you have that the Lord has not given to you? Even the life that you have is not yours. 
is borrowed. Why do you want to save it and destroy your life in the future? This message is for me. This message is for you. Can you die for this cause? Can you die for Jesus? Can you stand your ground in the midst of trials and say, if I perish, let me perish. If I die, let me die. Finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or danger of soul, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This should be our prayers. This should be our prayers. Just stand up on your feet. That's what God is telling us this morning. deliverer. I'm also the prince of peace. You cannot be expecting God to save you through trials and you are still in your own world. You need to surrender and give way to him. He can now take charge. And the spirit of God is saying, my son, give me your heart. My daughter, give me your heart. Don't postpone and don't argue. This is the acceptable time. This is the time he will have mercy. Is there anyone as we stand now and we are convicted? I need to surrender my life completely to Jesus to experience his peace and to have his company along the line of trials. If you are, just raise your hand where you are. We'll pray together with you. There is a peace that passes all understanding. That's a peace that will take you through life. That's a peace that will take you through trials and tribulations. That peace comes first. Shed abroad in our heart when you have made peace with Jesus. I have not yet known peace. I have not yet known his witness. I want to do it this morning. I surrender my life and live off my life of past and sin. In the name of Jesus we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message. Thank you for your grace. Lord, if there be any amongst the listeners, among those who are joining online, 
and who are responding to this word and who are responding by surrendering their lives. Father, at this moment, have mercy by virtue of the blood shed on the cross of Calvary that washes our sins whiter than snow, that counts us just as if we never sinned. Lord, let there be a forgiving, a cleansing, and a washing away in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn them unto you and receive them unto yourself in goodness, in gladness, in joy of obedience unto you. And give them the peace that passes all understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, for every other person here, each person who is alive, who is breathing, eh, I'm breathing out. As often as we breathe in and as we are alive, particularly if we are called by your name, he says, Lord, everyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Many may be the afflictions, the trials, the challenges that come across one who is righteous. But out of them all, Lord, you will deliver in the name of Jesus. Are we passing through trials currently? Anyone, students, young people, or married, married, waiting for time of conception, away in a time of challenge, of financial trial, away in a time of challenge, of fending for the family, away passing through a trial concerning a loved one, concerning a health, concerning any challenge that is a trial. Father, Thank you because your word in First Peter chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 says that they are for a season. They are temporary. Heavenly Father, we declare that to every of these trials we pass through in accordance with your word. They shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. Their expiry date shall happen in the name of Jesus. May everyone here remain standing, convinced, stronger in trusting you, promoted in faith, and at a level higher in serving you and in being your light piece to shine in the name of Jesus Christ. Is anyone passing through the waters here? Be with him and her in the name of Jesus Christ. Is anyone passing through fire here? Lord, according to your sure word of promise, make them feel your presence, your comfort, and your victorious right hand that is raised up already, waiting for the victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in faith. Strengthen us in courage and grant us joy in the inner man that we can say to God, the all the glory, all things will work together for good to everyone who loves you and are called according to your purpose. So do we declare through the trials this morning and the ones we may yet have in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you as you give us a right mindset to try us.
It's not a time to fall off. It's not a time to go low in faith. It's not a time to look around and look for those who have come to our aid or not. It's not a time to charge you foolishly. Lord, build up our faith and build up our mindset. And look down. The way you looked at Paul and Silas at the midnight hour in the Philippian jail and found them singing and praising and worshipping you. In the midst of trial, in the twelfth noon and midnight of trial, they could sing. And you send deliverance. May you send deliverance and that right early to everyone, even through prayer now, amongst us in the name of Jesus. Weeping and daring for a night, let the joy of the morning arrive. Thank you. Because you know, your mercy has reached us. And your goodness has sustained us. And your quickening will send us forward to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, sweet